Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Maybe you remember May 2011. Maybe you don't. But I want to share with you something I found very, very intriguing. Harold Camping, who is an American Christian radio host, stated that the rapture and judgment day would take place on May 21st, 2011. And that the end of the world would take place five months later on October 21st, 2011. Let me pause right here. Uh, maybe, maybe if you were living in the Roanoke area back in 2011, I remember seeing the billboard off 581 that said, Judgment Day coming, May 21st, 2011. Camping, who at the time was the president of the Family Radio Christian Network, he claimed the Bible was his source and said May 21st would be the date of the rapture and the, judge, and the day of judgment beyond any shadow of a doubt. Camping suggested that it would occur at 6 p.m. local time and the rapture would sweep across the globe at 6 p.m. in each time zone at 6 p.m. people would go up in the rapture. While some of his supporters claimed that 200 million people, that means 3% of the entire world's population of that day was going to be raptured. <laughs> Camping had previously claimed that the rapture would occur back in 1994 of September. And as we have clearly observed, the boy was wrong, dead wrong. In fact, the vast majority of, of Christendom, Christian groups, including most Protestants and even some, some Catholic believers did not accept Camping's prediction. And some, rightly so, and myself included, explicitly, explicitly rejected those claims. And citing a passage that's in our text this evening, Matthew 24, where it says that about that day and hour knows no man. Verse number 36. An interview with a group of church leaders noted that all of them had scheduled church services as normal on Sunday, May 22, 2011. Following the failure of this prediction, media attention shifted to the response from Camping and his followers. On May 23rd, Camping stated that on May 21st, it had been a, quote, spiritual judgment day, unquote, and that the physical rapture would occur on October 21st, 2011. Simultaneously with the destruction of the universe by God. However, on October 16th, Camping came out and admitted to an interviewer, that he did not know when exactly the end of the world would come and made no public comment after October 21st when it passed and his predicted apocalypse did not transpire. To be fair to this fella, in March 2012, I'm informed that he came out and humbly acknowledged in a letter to all of his listeners on the family radio broadcasting network, whatever that he sent it out to, all the subscribers, that he had been mistaken, that the attempt to predict the dates he called it was sinful, and that critics have been right in pointing to the passage that we're going to look at this evening 
of that no man knows the day or the hour. He added that he was searching the scriptures even more fervently now, not to find dates of when Jesus would return, but to be more faithful in his understanding of God's word. All that to say this, whenever somebody puts a date on the exact day and hour of Jesus' return, you can mark them down as a false prophet. Nobody knows the day or the hour. In fact, our passage this evening clearly describes the words of Christ, how he declared himself God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, of the triune being of God, says while he's on earth, on the Mount of Olives, in this discourse, in this sermon, that he didn't even know that day in that particular state, which is, of course, has raised a lot of questions. But before we get into that question, I want you to draw your attention to verse 36. Look at verse 36. The Bible says, but of that day, what day is he speaking of? Well, obviously, we've been traveling through this passage of scripture and Jesus is referring to the destruction of the temple in the first few verses and then the disciples after he predicts the predicts that the temple is going to be destroyed and it was destroyed in 70 AD the disciples say well hey what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the world and so he begins to speak about these different signs and we've looked at the minor signs such as the earthquake and the and the famines and, and the pestilences and, and some of the other stuff. And then, then we transpired and transitioned into, into what, we, what I like to call the, the major road signs of his coming. And then we looked at the abomination of desolation, men fleeing to the mountains and, and all the other stuff. And, and then we talked about last time, after the tribulational period, then he's going to return. And so he's speaking of the day of the Lord. As the Old Testament writer said, uh, the time when the Messiah would come and and. Uh, bring judgment to the world and establish his earthly kingdom. That's the day that Jesus is referring to right here. Now, I know that in your mind you're thinking, well, well, the Bible says that our understanding of the Bible says the church is going to be raptured up and there's no other event on the time calendar of God's uh, prophetic time calendar, that is, that needs to take place and transpire before the church is raptured out. So we know that that could happen at any moment. There's nothing left to to trigger that event taking place. But then the Bible says there's going to be seven years of tribulation. So could it, couldn't somebody say that seven years after that tribulational period, we know he's going to split the eastern sky? Yeah, we know about that, but we don't know the exact day or the exact hour. And make no mistakes about it. It doesn't matter if somebody's trying to say in 2020, Jesus is going to return. Hey, don't listen to them. Because the Bible says right here, no man knows that day or the hour. And in fact... The Bible elaborates, Jesus elaborates, and he says, not even the angels in heaven. So check it out now. Michael the archangel, the esteemed protector of Israel, does not even know about this day. Gabriel, the one who delivered the message to, to Zechariah about him giving, uh, he's going to have a son, John the Baptist, and the, the angel that came to, to Mary and Joseph about the Son of God being born does not even know this day. Lucifer himself doesn't know this day. The fallen angelic being from heaven. And then he says this, but my father only. So that has left many asking this question. If Jesus was fully God, how come he did not have full knowledge of this particular day? 
Great question. And I'm glad you asked, because before we dive into this passage, I want to answer that question. Understand this. In theology, we call it the hypostatic union. That is, that, that Jesus was just as fully man as man is man, and just as fully God as God is God. But when Jesus, the incarnation transpired, God the Son came into humanity, clothed in flesh, the Bible tells us that he laid aside some of those heavenly characteristics so he could become a man and live amongst us. That's why he breathed like we breathe. That's why he hungered like we hungered. That's why he got tired and, and he thirsted and he was, was sorrowful. And that's why he died. In fact, here in Matthew's gospel, it says that my father only knows about this day. But in Matthew 28, we read about the Great Commission. The Bible says, in Jesus' resurrected state, He says, all authority has been given unto me. And then when the disciples came to Him again, after the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, He says this, notice the, the language and notice the specifics of the language. The Bible says, Jesus says this in Acts 1 verse 7, He said to them, after they asked Him, when are you going to restore your kingdom? He said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. In this passage, in Acts chapter 1, He does not specify that the Father only knows. So after Jesus rose again, we know, we, can, we, we believe with great certainty that in that moment, He knew when He would return again. But in this moment right here, in, his, in, in the incarnate being of the Son of God, he laid aside some of those qualities and characteristics. With that in mind, this evening, we're talking about signs of Christ's second coming. And remember, Bible prophecy was not written to scare us. It was written to prepare us. These words of Jesus Christ have been fashioned in a way by the Holy Spirit of God through the pen in Matthew so that we could get a better understanding and be better prepared for the future days to come. Bible prophecy was not written to frighten us. It was written to enlighten us. We are asking the Holy Spirit of God to do His work and illuminate our understanding about this passage of the words of Scripture. And as, as one dear brother said, Bible prophecy was not written to terrify us. It was written to edify us. So as we look at the words of Christ this evening, the, these verses, verse 36 down to verse 51, we are trying to be edified by the sermon that Jesus preached 2,000 years ago. Now my question that I really want to ask and answer this evening as we dive into this text is how shall we be found when Christ returns. How can we be found? How should we be found when Christ returns? The Bible says here, the day and hour, speaking about not the rapture right here, but the time that he comes with the eastern sky, plants his foot on the Mount of Olives, and then establishes his earthly kingdom. That day knows no man. But I, I, I must elaborate. No man 
knows the exact time when the rapture is going to take place. So when somebody tries to, to, to tell you that the rapture is good, they say, oh, oh, oh Brother Brian, I, I, I figured it out. I went through and studied all the days, all the feast days, all the festivals and everything, and I've correlated everything to a specific day, and I know that the rapture is going to be on this day. Just don't believe them because nobody knows that time. The rapture, the Bible says in Corinthians, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, we shall all be changed. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So how should we be found when the rapture takes place? And how shall the believers at the end of the tribulation be found before the return of Christ? Well, I wrote down three thoughts I want to share with you this evening. The first thought is from verses 37 through 42. And I wrote down this. In fact, I guess if you could really walk away with a phrase from the message tonight, I want you to walk away with the four words. These are the four words I want you to walk away with. Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming soon. When is he going to come? Well, he's going to come at the trumpet sound and when he splits the eastern sky. I don't know the exact moment. I don't know the exact day. I do not know the exact time. So that's why it's imperative. That's why it's urgent. That's why it's important that we live every day as if it's our last day and we're going to see Jesus Christ that day. Christ is coming soon. So be prepared. Here's what I wrote down first and foremost tonight. Christ is coming soon. So be found with alertness. Christ is coming soon. So be found with alertness. The word alert, the King James uses the word watch. And this word watch, as we're going to get into it in just a few moments, but it literally means to be fully alert of. And my dear friends, we are called by God to be fully alert, to be fully watchful of the day that Jesus Christ will come again. It's interesting, the words of Christ found here in this passage reminds us of the days of Noah. Verse 37, verse 38, verse 39. Jesus expounds upon the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. He, he elaborates on the time period of the days of Noah. Verse 37 says that, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I begin to ask myself a question. What was it like in the days of Noah? What was going on in Noah's life, in his three sons' lives, his daughter-in-law's lives, and in his wife's life? What was it like? Well, verse 38 answers that. It says, for as in the days that were before the flood. Now, may I pause right here for just a few moments? Um, I would just like to say this, that a lot of people think I'm crazy because when I look at the Grand Canyon, I believe it is the literal effects of a worldwide catastrophe called the flood. 
People think I'm crazy because when I look up and I see a vast big mountain, it's the direct result of the fountains of the deep breaking open and the water gushing forth and causing the earth to move and cause the mountains. People think I'm crazy with that stuff. But let me tell you this. If they think I'm crazy, they're going to think Jesus was crazy because Jesus affirms the flood took place. So the flood in chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9 of the book of Genesis is not just somebody's, it's not just Moses' uh, imagination running wild. It is a literal event that literally occurred. And the Bible says, For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, so before the flood occurred, the Bible says they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered to the ark. We know that for 120 years, God called Noah to preach the Word of God. In fact, we read in 2 Peter chapter 2, in fact, when it speaks about the, the time period of those angels that God did not spare the angels that sin, I believe referring to Genesis chapter 6. And, and the reason why God saw that the wickedness of man was so vile, even in, their, even in their thoughts it was just contaminated by sin. Just imagine what God thinks of our culture today. Imagine what He thinks about what's going on in our world right here in 2020 in the United States of America and all across the world. If, if the thoughts of mankind were continually evil in the days of Noah, I wonder what God is saying about today. But he says, he goes on to say that, that, that Noah was, was not just an ark builder, but he was a, a, a preacher of the very words of God. And as he was preaching, he was preaching that a, a judgment day is coming. He didn't know exactly when, but God called him to build a box or a, a big old boat so that he could put the clean animals in, the unclean animals in. And he could bring his family and preserve the human race. And he was preaching and preaching and preaching. And the only people that heard his message was his immediate family. The Bible says in Genesis 6 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm thankful that in the midst of an entire worldwide epidemic of sin, that God still shed his grace upon mankind and allowed mankind to live on through Noah. The Bible says that, that they did all of these things, marrying, giving in marriage, drinking and eating. In other words, the routine and busyness of life until he went into the ark. And then, the Bible says, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So they were, he was preaching a word. He was saying, hey, judgment day's coming. There's going to be a massive storm and the water's going to come. And they're like, no, buddy, hey, it's never rained before in our life. You keep on building that boat because, buddy, you need to go to the psychiatric ward because you're crazy. But when that rain came, when the fountains of the deep bursted open and the water came gushing out of the ground, we know that the people began to realize our buddy Noah was right. And one day, man, listen to me carefully. Our world is scoffing, just like they did in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said there's going to be scoffers in the day, just like it was in the days of Noah, saying, where's the promise of His coming? I know we've been preaching for a long time, more than, more than 120 years, so check it out now. There's God's grace there. We've had 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the grave and ascended up into glory, and the message of Judgment Day has been preached time and time again. God's still shedding His mercy on humanity. And I want you to know this, that we're called to preach it, and our world doesn't want to hear it. They scoff at this message. But one day, hear me well, they will cease from their mocking and their scoffing. 
As I think about the days of Noah, here's what I wrote down. Man will be so preoccupied with life, they will not have time for God. Think about it now. Let that sink in. Man will be so preoccupied with life that they will not have time for God. Hmm. We'll have too much on our plate. Our schedules will be too busy. They say, hey, we got too much to do in the tribulational period. We got too much going on. Man, the busyness of life has gotten us all. And I think one thing that we can, we can glean from this epidemic called COVID-19 is that, hey, we do not need to be nearly as busy as we once were except about being busy about the Father's business and taking God's message of salvation into the world. I wonder, may I ask you a question? Are you too busy for God? I know, I know who I'm speaking to this evening. I'm speaking to a crowd on, on a, on, in, the mid, in the middle of the week who's tuned in on live on Facebook. I, I, I am thankful for you for doing that. Or maybe you're listening to this online after it's been preached. I'm thankful that you're doing that. But let me just ask you this. Maybe right now you've got time for God during this epidemic. But when this epidemic has long since gone, do you still have time for Jesus Christ? As I continue to meditate upon the words of Jesus here, I think about the passage in the Gospel of Luke. Because Jesus expounds here in this section that just as in the days of Noah, so shall the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man be. But in Luke, in Luke's Gospel, the Bible tells us in chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, I want to read these verses to you. Luke chapter 17, verses 28 and 29, he elaborates on similar fashion to Lot. And he says this, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Check it out, verse 30. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And he goes on to say, remember Lot's wife. As I think about the days of Lot in Genesis 19, you know, Abraham's nephew Lot, there was a division between them, their, their herdsmen. And so Lot goes and camps in Sodom and Gomorrah. And perhaps the sovereign plan of God was to take, get Lot down into Sodom so that, so that Lot could take the message of God to those people because they needed it. And Lot... Instead of uh, him influencing the culture, the culture began to influence him. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible ex expands, extends the words about the, the angels that sinned, about the day of Noah, the preacher of righteousness, and about Lot. And how he spared him. Here's what I wrote down. Man will be so perverted, they won't know right from wrong. Man will be so perverted, they won't know right from wrong. Hey, Christ is coming soon, so let's be found with alertness. 
And this time we need to understand that, that, that man can be so preoccupied with what they've got going on, they have no time for God. But then an extension of that is man can be so perverted, they don't know right from wrong. And I'm here to tell you something today. I think we're living in a day like that, where today people don't understand what right from wrong is. They don't understand that, hey, it's wrong to lie. They don't understand, hey, it's wrong to steal. They don't understand, hey, it's wrong to commit adultery. They don't understand, hey, it's wrong to, to be involved in pornography. They don't understand that, hey, it's, it's wrong to be involved in sexual promiscuity and sex outside of marriage. Hey, listen, man, the, the days of Lot, it was full of sexual perversion. And I believe that, that there's been a rise in sexual perversion just in the last 50 years. Now, I know that sexual promiscuity, adultery, all that stuff has been around since the beginning, but we've seen a dramatic rise and increase. When you have middle schoolers giving birth to babies, you have problems. Listen, I'll tell you what's crazy is, is, is when, when the school systems of America encourage sexual activity for adolescents outside of marriage. That's, you, that's the time you know that this world has no idea what right from wrong is. I believe marriage will always be between one man and one woman for life. That's the way God intended it back in the garden. And Lot's day was so perverted sexually that there were men lying with men. There were women lying with women. There were men trying to be involved with angelic beings. And then you have Lot trying to pawn off his own family for sexual activity. Christ is coming soon. So let's be found with alertness. Let's preoccupy our minds with God. Let's understand that we've got to stay pure in the eyes of God. But then I wrote down this as I continued to read. Man will not be prepared for Christ's return because they will not be alert. Here's the thought. Man will be so consumed with everything they've got going on, they say, I have no time for this God you call God. And they'll be so perverted sexually, they will pick up the Bible and say, people actually believe that? Are you kidding me? No. And then, and then he, because they're not alert, they're not watching, they won't be ready for the coming. Check it out. Now, look at, look at verse number 40. In fact, verses 40 and 41 are verses that I, I really misunderstood for the longest time. I used to think that verses 40 and 41 were speaking about the rapture, but hey, it's not speaking about the rapture because there's nowhere in this chapter speaking about the rapture. It's to speak, the context is the day of God, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ. Christ's day is at hand, and he's saying that this is the day when I'm going to come and I'm going to bring forth my judgment. And in verse 40 and 41, it says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. It was the custom in that time period that the men would be out in the field and then the women would be working in the mills. And then verse number 41 says, Two women shall be grinding at the meal, the one shall be taken, the other left. In other words, there's one that's going to be face to face with the judgment of God and they're going to be gone. But the other one is going to live and populate the earth during the kingdom. And then we get to verse number 42. He says, watch therefore. In other words, he says, be alert. Be fully ready at all times. For you know not what hour your Lord does come. Christ is coming soon, my brother. 
my sister. So let's be found with alertness. But now as we transition, I want to show, show you a second thought this evening from verses 43 and 44. I read on secondly. Christ is coming soon, so let's not just be found with alertness. But I wrote down, secondly, Christ is coming soon, so let's be found with readiness. Remember, we're asking this question. How should we be found when the rapture takes place and for those saints living in the tribulational period for the return of Jesus Christ? How shall we be found? First of all, let's be alert. But then secondly, let's be ready. Let's be ready. This gives another uh, connotation of, of the watching being fully alert, but then being ready anticipating the day of Christ at, is at hand. Look at verse 43. It says, But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch, remember the watch, the old, the, in, the, in the biblical times, they set watches out throughout the night because they did not want the enemy coming in and killing all of them while they were sleeping. So sometimes you'd have a watch for 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes maybe a little longer. But they had, you know, the, the third watch of the night and all the different things. But so in other words, he says, hey, listen, listen, the watch means when you're watching, you're not just alert, but man, you're ready. You are fully ready. He says here, Watch, because in what watch the thief would come. Had he known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have stood up. He would have waited 30 minutes more, an hour here, or designated a time slot for somebody to be there. And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Then verse 44. Therefore, 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 we have to always figure out why it's therefore. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. I've done a few thoughts I want to share with you. Underneath this idea of being ready. I wrote on this. Be ready because Christ's return is imminent. Be ready because Christ's return is imminent. That means we have no idea the exact time and day or hour Christ is going to do all these things. We have no idea exactly when the, when the saints are going to be raptured out of here and when he's going to come back and express his judgment and extend judgment upon the world and establish his kingdom. So we've got to be ready. Imminent means it could happen at any time, any moment. And I know you're sitting here thinking, well, well I know I've heard that my whole life, Brother Brian. But I'm just not settled on, on the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad you're not settled this evening because, because I'm going to make it settled for you. Or at least I want to use the Word of God and show you how we know the Bible says Christ's coming is imminent. And it can happen at any time. If you got your Bibles there, turn over to Hebrews. Hebrews. Or maybe you just want to jot these down. You could write them down. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. And here's what it says. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. It is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is a passage of scripture that we should not abandon the, the, the body of Christ, the localized body of believers. It says, as the manner of some is, but check it out now. But exhorting one another daily, or it says, but exhorting one another, and then it says this, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day of Christ, the return. He says, we got to be encouraging and edifying each other because we don't know when Jesus is going to come. He can come at any time. And so let's edify and build each other up. Check out James chapter 5, 
James chapter 5. In verse number 8, he says, Be ye also ready. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He says, the coming of the Lord is near. Now, check it out. Now, James wrote this about 2,000 years ago. And if James was saying, hey, the coming of the Lord draws nigh, that means he didn't know exactly when it was coming. He's saying, hey, it's going to happen any time now. And I tell you this, I echo the words of James. Be ready, because the coming of Christ is going to happen soon. But then, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 7. The Bible says, but the end of all things is at hand. The phrase at hand means it can happen at any time. Be ye therefore sober. He says, be fully alert and watch unto prayer. Second hmm. Peter chapter 3. It says this, verses 11 and 12. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Speaking about the scoffers in the last day and the day of Christ coming and, and happening in a thief in the night. He says, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation of good and godliness? Verse 12, 2 Peter chapter 3. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He says, Be ready. Because my return is imminent. 1 John chapter 3. I like this verse. Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Notice all these verses do not say a specific time. It just says when we see him, well, there's going to be a day, man. We're going to see the, the, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am in the sky. We're going to be just like him one day. They didn't know exactly when. Teaching us that the return of Christ is imminent. So be ready. Be ready. Verse 3 goes on to say, And every man that has this hope and him purifies himself even as he is pure. I also wrote down this. Not only be ready because Christ's return is imminent. I wrote on this. Be ready because Christ's return is like a thief in the night. It gives the idea that it's going to happen. Um, it's it's going to happen at, at the time you least expect it. What time does, does a thief come? Well, generally you don't know. But normally they come when you're sleeping. When you're not alert, when you're not ready, the thief is going to come. The thief is going to analyze everything about you. The thief is going uh, to figure out, okay, you go to work at this time, you leave your house here, you get back here, and then all the lights cut off at this certain hour. The thief is going to just analyze you and study you because they ain't going to attack at the time that you least expect it. That's what a thief did. We know the Bible says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. So the enemy watches your life, the enemy watches my life, and finds the times we're most vulnerable, and he attacks, and he tries to bring us down. But I'm thankful that, that we have a greater one who's overcome Satan, hell, and death, and sin, and he's come to give us life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Praise his name. But the Bible tells us over and over again that Christ's return will be like a thief in the night. And because it's like a thief in the night, that means it's imminent. And it's going to happen the moment we least expect it. 
the world in the tribulational period, they're going to be so enamored with all that's going on, the catastrophe, the trials, the Antichrist, they're going to be fully distracted. They're not going to be focused on Jesus and the Word of God, even though there's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands who get saved and get right with God. The whole world as a whole is not going to be focused and waiting and watching and, and anticipating and, uh, the return. They're going to be distracted. And in the least expected time, Jesus will return. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Speak about this. Verse 39 says, In this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. Parallel passage to what we're reading of right now, or similar passage. And not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Second, Excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 2 speaks about this as well. Paul says these words by inspiration. He says, for, he says in verse number 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, speaking about the same time that Jesus is referring to in verse 36 of Matthew 24, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. The context of the scoffer scoffing the words of God and the promise of His coming. says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Revelation chapter 3. And verse number three, the Bible says this. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And then in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, the Bible says these words. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus says, if you're not watching and anticipating the, the return of Jesus Christ, he, he says, if you're not anticipating my return, you're going to be full of shame when I return because you'll be like a naked man running out in all the open world. Be ready because Christ's return is imminent. Be ready because Christ's return is like a thief in the night. But then check it out. Now I wrote down this. Be ready all the time because Christ could come at any time. Be ready all the time because Christ could come at any time. Right here in Matthew 24 and verse number 36, we see that we don't know the time. We don't know the hour, so we need to be ready at all times. And then in Matthew 25, an extension of, of this whole sermon, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Christ is coming soon, so be found with readiness. Christ is coming soon, so be found with alertness. How should we be found when we meet the Lord in the air or when He returns? Thirdly and finally this evening, I wrote down this. Christ is coming soon, so be found with faithfulness. Christ is coming soon, so be found with faithfulness. Look at verses 45 down through 50. We see in this passage a unique illustration the Lord uses. And as I read verse 45, I wrote on this. 
as we kind of think about this verse where it mentions meat, I wrote down this. As I, as how it can apply to our lives right now, I wrote down this. Be found faithful by studying the Word of God. How can you make most use of your time right now in quarantine? Well, it's by getting your face off Facebook and getting your face in the greatest book called the Bible. It's getting your face off of all the social media platforms and digging into the very holy words of Scripture. It's digging in, diving deep, and studying God's Word. Notice verse 45. It says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Do you want to be found faithful? Do you want to be a wise servant? Well, if you're going to be found faithful and wise, you're going to spend time in the very words of Scripture. I've been so encouraged by many of you who have been digging deeper into God's Word during this quarantine. So I commend you. I, 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 I thank you for doing that. Now let's keep doing it more and more. But he goes on to say, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. The greatest meat is not the food from Walmart. It's not the burgers and the patties and the ground, whatever you eat these days. It's none of that. The greatest meat is to do the will of God. The greatest food to eat is from the manna of God. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Are you feasting upon the holy manna of God? Are you more concerned about ordering from Grubhub and getting the food delivered to your house? Are you more concerned about what Domino's has got on sale? Are you more concerned about what Zechariah is saying about the day of the Lord? Are you more concerned about what special Chick-fil-A's got going on during quarantine? Are you more concerned about the special that Jesus has to say on the Mount of Olives right here in Matthew 24? Be found faithful by studying the Word of God. But as I read verses 46 and 47, I read on this. Be found faithful by serving God. You can serve God right now, even during this time. I know the whole world shut down. It's beginning to open back up, but you can still serve God now. Look at verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Overseeing the household, tending the needs that he has. And then verse 47. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. As I read this verse, especially in the whole context of going on here, I, help, I can't help but think about this. How during the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, God is going to bless us with our faithfulness to Him and our service to Him in this life now by allowing us the greatest privilege that we could really be given, and that is to, to rule with Him on this earth and serve along His side. Here's what I wrote down. I will use my time to serve God. I will use my talents to serve God. Remember, in the next chapter, in the very next chapter, we see, we see these five foolish and five wise individuals about their lamps. And they wasted their time. We see later on in Matthew 25, we see the parable of the talents, and we see individuals wasting the talents God gave them. I'm, to, I'm here to tell you something. Let's not waste the time that God has given us now. Let's not waste the talents that God has given us now. Let's not waste the treasures that God has given us now, and let's serve God to our greatest capacity. And then I wrote down this. Be found faithful by obeying God. As I read verses 48 through 51, it says, but and if... Check it out now. 
a comparing and contrasting to a faithful servant and an unfaithful servant. He goes on to say, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. In other words, you have a servant, you have a person who's, who claims to know Jesus Christ there and says, hey, Jesus has been saying he's going to be coming for all these years. I read it in the Bible, but I'm just going to not worry about it. I'm going to do my own thing. And then the Bible says here in verse 49, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. In other words, he, he's, going to, he's going to beat up all those around him. And then it goes on to say, and eat and drink with the drunken. He said he's going to be associated with drunkenness and get involved in that activity. Notice what the Bible says about him, how he will be rewarded. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Check it out now. This last phrase. Is a phrase that Jesus associates with the lake of fire time and time again. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To the unconcerned man in the world who doesn't want to get right with God before he returns, your eternal destination is hell. And then death and hell will be cast in the lake of fire. But to those who want to be found faithful, By receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, heaven is their eternal home. Let me say this. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is called procrastination. And I'm not talking about the assignment that you're trying to do with your school or a job that you got around your house. I'm talking about procrastinating the greatest commitment and decision you'll ever make. And that is believing by faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and, and he rose again victoriously. He ascended up in heaven. He's coming back again and, and putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross for your sins and to cover it all. And that because he rose again, we can experience life eternally. I'm talking about procrastinating that decision. The enemy says, oh, there's no hurry to find the truth of God. Oh, there's no rush to get right with God. You can make peace with God tomorrow. No, man. Nobody's promised tomorrow. No, young lady. Nobody has promised another day. So get right with him. I close with this. I used to get extremely excited before the days that I got my license that my friends were going to come pick me up in my house and then we go hang out or go skateboarding or go do something. I would get so excited when my friends before the days I had a license would come over to the house and they'd spend the night. I would just get so, I would be jittery. I'd be like, me. my adrenaline rust was just on, on, on a full tin and I just couldn't contain myself. So I'd walk back and forth from the bedroom to the, to the kitchen. I'd look out the window, I'd look out the door and a few of my friends had sports cars um, and I could hear the engine. And so every time I heard a loud engine, I'd run out to the very window at the front and I'd look out and, and try to see if it was them. Most of the time, I'd go to that window dozens of times. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe nobody else does, did that, but, but I did. But I remember the one time I, I, got, I got tired of waiting because well over an hour or two passed by. And I went back into the back room and I started watching TV. And it was raining that day. And then out of nowhere, I heard a loud knock at the door. And it was my friends. I didn't hear them. 
I was watching and waiting at one point and I got tired of waiting and I was caught off guard. I say that to say this, I'm afraid the vast majority in our world today are gonna be caught off guard when the rapture takes place and when Jesus returns. So it's time to be ready. Christ is coming soon, so be found with faithfulness. Christ is coming soon, so be found with readiness. Be ready, be faithful. Christ is coming soon, so be found with alertness. Be alert and don't get extracted. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.